Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. first arrived in Sydney, I walked into a yoga studio just up the road from my house and found a whole new way of doing yoga and thinking about who I am. This yoga studio was Jiva Mukti. It was a very unique approach to yoga and the philosophy behind yoga. And at the time, it was run by a woman who would walk in between the mats calmly and very clearly guiding me to a whole new way of understanding myself and my body. That woman was Katie Rose. And in the most divine way that the universe does, this woman has weaved in and out of my life just like she used to weave in and out of those yoga mats. Katie went on to be a doula for my sister. She went on to become my postnatal yoga teacher, and now we are back working together, sharing resources to mothers through yoga, Ayurveda, essential oils. I'm really thrilled to bring Katie to you today. She has one of the most beautiful in-depth understanding of the yoga of birth and motherhood. And what we mean by that is the beautiful ancient understanding of what we need to not only birth, but become a mother. The spiritual awakening of this process and the parts of ourselves that are going to change and how to support us through that. I know you are going to get so much out of Katie's story, she's a mama of four, and her insights into the yoga of birth. Enjoy. superwoman, I realized that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me. And since then, 
have dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honour motherhood differently. Katie, hi. Thanks for coming into the studio to record this with me today. Thanks so much for having me. It's so good to be able to speak to you. We talk a lot anyway, but in this context, because just recently I spoke on my podcast with Julia Jones, who's behind the newborn mothers movement. Her training was one of the first trainings I ever did in moving into understanding what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother. And it was your prenatal yoga teacher training that was also one of the very first things I did way before I even had my third baby. I remember coming along to your training here in Newtown. So it's a full circle to finally have you on my podcast, considering you were one of my first teachers with this. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. It is. So there's a lot we could talk about. You've been supporting women through pregnancy, birth, with uh, yoga as a doula, Ayurvedic practitioner, all of these different uh, avenues for a very long time. But there's a lot going on in the world for pregnant mums at the moment with COVID-19. So I'd love to explore your insights into birth and how we can support women differently. But perhaps let's start with a little bit of a a background. This is something you've been focused on in your work for about 15 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. I, um, I had a very strong calling to teaching and working in the prenatal world. Oh, really for as long as I can remember um, in my yoga teaching career. And um, I've been teaching prenatal yoga since before I had my own children and I've now got four boys. So it's been a big, big journey. Mm, I love that. Four boys. Four boys. And actually the <laughs> yoga studio that you used to own was the first yoga studio I came to here in Sydney. So it's been a really long um, association with your work. And I really admire the way that you talk about birth, pregnancy, becoming a mum. So when you look at everything you've learned over the last 15 years, what are the biggest things that we need to be aware of? When you say the yoga of birth, what are the biggest uh, focuses that women who are preparing for birth right now could start to be aware of? Yeah, that's a huge question. It is, I'm Um, sorry. (laughs) No, that's fine. For me, often when I talk about the yoga of birth, people immediately jump to the idea of physical preparation. So Mm. it's, you know, lots of hip opening and, you know, pelvic floor work and um, getting the body physically ready for labor and for a good postnatal recovery. That really isn't my primary focus. I do teach asana, the physical practice, but I have a very strong focus on preparing women in the other elements of what it's going to take to be ready to birth and also to be ready to be a mum. And so from a yogic perspective, if we think about what in yoga we call the five koshas, which are the five different layers of the self or the five different bodies, we've got the the first layer, which is physical body, um, but then we also have the um, mental body, the mind, the emotional feeling body, which is the realm of kind of feelings and emotions, and the subtle body or the sort of energy body. Um, And then we've got the spirit or the soul. But those three, the subtle body, the energy body, 
the uh, mental body and the emotional feeling body are the three that I really anchor into and work very closely with women in healing, preparing, just kind of doing the deeper work of, of looking at those aspects so that we can bring all of ourselves and the best part of ourselves to the birthing experience and to the experience of becoming a mum. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you because so many of us focus on that very first level, that physical, don't we? And it's actually the four other bodies that um, we need to prepare almost more than our physical body. So how do we do that? Let's just, can we just almost skim through the other four to talk about what is the yogic approach to preparing your mind for birth and motherhood? Yeah. Um, You know, I'll say this, the physical body 99 times out of 100 will take care of itself if the other elements are in place. Now, every so often there'll be um, a situation physically which um, is complicated. And so in that case, it's not always sort of mind over matter in inverted commas, but really like the, the vast majority of the time, the body knows what to do when the other elements are in place. So when we do this work, we're actually preparing the physical body um, as well, kind of inadvertently. Um, In terms of the mind, I mean, there's so much I could say on this, but let's just focus on one element, which is the fear element. Um, And although these teachings that I'm sharing with you now are very ancient, you know, they come from the yogic scriptures, this idea of the different aspects of the bodies, they're called the koshas in Sanskrit. Um, It really links into the teachings of sort of modern science, what we understand about psychology, what we understand about neurofeedback and how the body and the mind are in this constant loop or conversation. So there's ancient teachings here, but there's also a lot of very um, contemporary science that backs this. And I find that so exciting, that kind of coming together of these different um, ways of looking at the same thing. The biggest hindrance for women in birthing, the biggest challenge is the fear which then leads into fight or flight or sometimes even the freeze responses. And most of us are familiar with that paradigm um, these days. The idea that when we get overloaded with fear, when we experience overwhelm, we'll respond in one of three ways, either um, kind of a, a feeling that we need to heighten our awareness and defend ourselves, which will increase things like cortisol and adrenaline in the body, that response will automatically lead to the birthing process shutting down because a mammal in the wild knows it can't birth its baby if a predator, for example, is around or if there's some threat. Um, So there's a very physical, visceral response in the body to that type of fear. Um, The uh, flight, needing to get away, needing to feel like you you need to be in a safer environment, so needing to kind of... um, create an environment that feels safe, which for many women isn't um, where they're actually finding themselves birthing hospital, for example. Um, And then freeze, which is to just kind of really shut down. That's usually a response for people who've experienced some kind of trauma. Uh, So if we can work on fear as a trigger for that, um, that whole kind of paradigm or that cascade of problems, we could say, then we can really start to create good conditions for positive birthing experiences. And unfortunately, our modern hospital system, which is where most women are birthing, particularly here in Australia, isn't really that great at um, de-escalating fear in women as they go into the birthing experience, particularly in this current climate with COVID-19 around. That's what I was about to say, that... 
if you think of just the simple element of having an environment where you feel safe and supported, at times partners aren't allowed in the room, let alone a doula, a support person. What do we do about that? Yeah, so it's a real challenge. Um, I feel like we were up against enough in the hospital system before COVID-19 came along and now we're kind of really up against it. But we are incredibly resilient as women and we do have great strength within us and there are very, very simple tools and techniques we can use to come back into that place of centre. A lot of the work I'm doing with women who are pregnant at the moment is all around inner sanctuary, inner safety, coming back to alignment with self. And this is actually the fifth of the five bodies or layers that we've spoken about um, and under my akosha, which is that deep, deep knowing that I am okay, that my spirit, my soul, my essence is founded in safety and goodness. And even in the most difficult of circumstances, there's a place within me that can find safety and security. It's very powerful. Um, And there are very simple techniques we can use to access that. It's actually not as difficult as it might sound. Uh, One of the most powerful is the breath coming back to breath and um you know one of the things I've seen over the years in this in the birthing arena is a lot of the techniques and tools that pregnant women are taught are quite complicated and you know you've birthed babies uh when you go into labor the last thing you want is a set of complex um disciplines to follow you know like a complicated counting ratio or uh, some sort of like mental gymnastics that you have to put yourself through is most women are just going to tell you to f off if you start giving that type of advice during labor um so i really work on keeping it simple and one of the techniques I teach the most is extension of the exhale. When we, when our exhale is longer than our inhale, it's very difficult for feelings of panic and feelings of overwhelm to really escalate. They might be there, but they're not going to amplify. They'll be kept in check by this capacity of the out breath to allow us to let go. It's so simple but really powerful and as you said it also works on a physical level of not being able to um click into that fear sends the brain a different message sends the hormones a different message so it works on all of those levels again doesn't it yeah it's really amazing and um you know, I used to feel when I first, or a few years ago when I was teaching a lot of these techniques, I'd feel like, oh, it's too simple. I need to give women something more. Um, and this sort of like feeling of like needing to over deliver, whether it's as a yoga teacher or as a doula, or even just as a friend supporting another friend in birth. And what I've come to know deeply and through experience of, of watching many women giving birth and supporting them is the simpler, the better. And it's the simple practices that in times of overwhelm and distress, work. Mm, I love that. When I hear you talk about that inner sense of I'm okay, that was the massive contrast between the first and second birth. And I wonder whether, I would love to hear your insights. The first, my first birthing experience, I was in that total fear most of the time. I didn't trust my body. I didn't trust the people in the room, not because they weren't very good. It's just, I was terrified Mm -hmm. of the whole thing. I was so unprepared and therefore the birth was pretty much a disaster. By the time the second one came around, I'd done so much of that inner work that I really did have that sense inside of, 
I can do this. I'm going to be okay. Can we get that without having, is it possible to get that feeling going into a situation that is so new, so raw, so unpreparedness for, mm. if that's even how you describe it. You know what I'm trying to say I know exactly here. exactly what you're saying. Can we do that? Or is it something that you kind of just have to muddle through as best you can <laughs> the first birth? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. And here's what I think about that. I think that culturally, as a, as a society, as a collective, we're very, very bad at not being in control. Mm. We have created an entire culture and an entire kind of way of living that facilitates us as being autonomous and being in control and any situation in our lives where we find ourselves not able to control an outcome is almost abhorrent to us we're so repelled by that again COVID-19 is a perfect example we can look at what collectively has happened to us in the aftermath or you know in the um, as this situation unfolds globally and what I see as being a real trigger for people is the lack of control. Mm. We don't know what's going to happen next. Almost every spiritual discipline in the world ever, including yoga, points to the idea that we have no control mm. over anything. And all that we can really do in our spiritual practices is develop the capacity to be resilient and to roll with the unexpected as it unfolds. And that that's where we'll find true... Um, I use the word happiness, but I use that word loosely, like a deep sense of contentment. Uh, and the birthing, the birthing arena is the place where for many women, it's the first time in perhaps their entire lives where they're not in control. And so now we do lots of things to try to feel more control, like rates for elective cesareans are going through the roof, um, really over-medicalizing birth. All of these sort of aspects are ways for us to try to feel that we can control a situation that still ultimately we can't and so I feel that the work that we need to do collectively and individually is around surrender and trust and letting go of you know stop holding on so tight again this exhale the energy of the exhale Mm. Um, and when we do that work women go into birthing with confidence. Um, but it's, it's counterculture to do that. So we have to do the work. It, you know, in a more traditional society, in a society where people live closer to the land, closer to community, closer to the intuitive trust in their own bodies, the work is much less. But unfortunately, the way that we've developed culturally, we've got a lot of unpacking to do before we come back to that place of... of um, being able to be in the unknown and be okay with that. On that point, uh, something I didn't say at the beginning, and I hope she's going to be okay with me saying this, my sister's quite a private person, but you were also my sister's doula for her first child. And for those of you who have read my book, there's a story in there about how she came to terms with a cesarean for her first birth. She hired you. She was so ready to go through the beautiful natural childbirth process, and that option was taken away from her because her baby was breached in the hospital within she was within didn't allow that to be an option. I was very lucky. I had a natural breech birth, but that's because I was in a hospital that said it was okay. Mm. So she was just in an environment that she couldn't change. You were still a part of that. And there was, in the end, a really beautiful birth, a birth that she felt she had surrendered to 
but also had chosen elements to still make it feel as beautiful and empowering as possible. That was a process she worked through with you, I know, and brought in other elements to help her feel like it was still the experience she wanted. There's a lot of women who uh, judge cesarean. They feel um, it wasn't the right outcome it should have been. I would love to hear your thoughts about how we can, even if you're listening and you know there is a cesarean coming up, what can we do to make this a beautiful, empowering experience anyway? What I've observed with women in birthing is it's very rarely about the outcome of the birth in terms of what type of birth um, happens, whether it's, you know, a natural birth, epidural, forceps, cesarean, whatever. It's, it's what enables a woman often to feel that she's had a positive birthing experience is that she was empowered and able to make choices throughout that process. So when the element of, um, making choices about your own body and the element of consultation, discussion, dialogue, decision-making is taken away from a woman, that's usually where we see really negative outcomes in terms of postnatal attachment to the baby, but also in terms of how a woman feels when she reflects back on her birth. And there's a whole... um, uh, there's a whole kind of practice now of something called birth story listening, which I'm really interested in, where women are being given the opportunity to talk about their birthing experience and heal through that process of dialogue. And so much of what comes up in that is it's not about the cesarean. It's not about the epidural. It's about the disempowerment because it wasn't a considered choice. The woman didn't feel like she was involved in the decision making. And I know with your sister, for example, we went through such a big journey, um, but she felt at the end very empowered because it had been, she'd educated herself, she'd made decisions, there'd been a lot of discussion and consultation, and she was at peace with the decision that she had made. Now, that may not always be possible in a more emergency situation or like when a birth sort of escalates quite quickly but it, it, it's still actually completely possible it just depends on the way that the care providers whether it's the midwife the doula um, or the obstetrician the way that they're interacting with the woman it's it's very much are we coming from a model of consultation and collective decision making or is it just a disempowering experience where she feels like the whole thing's happening to her um, so that would be one thing that I would say about outcomes that, um, it, it's really got to do with the process that gets you to the outcome rather than the outcome itself. Mm. Um, but then the other element is that birth is incredibly over-medicalized in Australia. If we look at the statistics internationally, if we look at birthing outcomes, um, we're not doing that great here. We're, we're very much in a system that invites what we call the cascade of intervention so one intervention leading to another leading to another leading to births that are incredibly over medicalized often unnecessarily so I do also much as I work with women women coaching them to um, feel good about whatever outcome happens I also I'm not going to lie, I'm an advocate for minimising intervention where that's possible and I really support women in trying to advocate for themselves in that. Yeah, absolutely. So just to, I guess, summarise those other bodies, those other parts of the yoga of birth, the mind, the emotional, the subtle and the spirit, 
moving past that birth process and uh, as we said, whatever outcome that is, how do we, what do we do post-birth to honour and support and understand the transition into motherhood? What does the scriptures say about that? Yeah. Um, from an Ayurvedic perspective, in the immediate postnatal time, meaning the first sort of 40 days or so after birth, the body is in an extreme vata imbalance, which means there's a lot of um, air and a sort of very flighty, ungrounded energy for the physical body of the mother immediately postnatal. So we do a lot of work to get very grounded. We do a lot of work to get very um, steady, to find steadiness. And um, we can eat certain foods that would be foods that are like have a bit of oil, some warmth, things like soups and stews and porridges and teas, warm teas, all that sort of stuff. Oil is a postnatal woman's best friend. So, you know, massaging oil into the body, including oil in the diet, um, keeping very warm, lots of warm baths, all that type of stuff. So that's um, the immediate postnatal time. And, you know, there's a lot more we could discuss about that, but certainly Ayurveda has a lot of support to offer in that way. Um, and the scriptures talk about it, Charaka Samhita, which is one of the main scriptures that we use as Ayurvedic practitioners. It's thousands of years old gives some really great protocols for the immediate postnatal time. Um, but the other thing I'd say, perhaps a slightly more contemporary stance on that, is um, I would encourage women to actually be quite deliberate and quite strategic in looking at those different elements of the self and really thinking about what self-care practices she has within each of those areas so for that postnatal time what can you do what will you do to look after your physical body will that look like having someone giving you massage at home will that look like someone preparing meals for you um you know how will you structure sleep all those types of things and then also being again quite deliberate and quite um precise in looking at how will you maintain and support your own mental health how will you maintain and support your emotional health for example connection with partner um, time to reflect on the birthing experience a lot of these things can be done much more easily if you're not rushing to get back into the daily pattern of your life as it was before because um, when we give ourselves the time and space after birth to assimilate and to integrate the big, big change that we've just been through, generally speaking, on all of these different levels, there are there's much greater opportunity to come back into balance and steadiness. So, yeah, I would really say be quite, um, you know, journal it, like make a list of, of what you're going to do because and do it before the baby comes and be prepared, not just physically, but also on those other levels of what's going to nourish you emotionally, what's going to nourish your mental health, what's going to nourish your daily habits and routines. Mm, beautiful. I love your knowledge and your insights. It's just amazing. You have an online program of yoga for birth um, on your website. Is that for yoga teacher trainers or for mothers-to-be or both? It's for both, really. So um, the program is predominantly for yoga teachers to enable them to add a... Um, prenatal certification to their teaching so they can teach pregnancy yoga 
um, and support women through the birthing experience. But I had so many people that wanted to take the program that weren't yoga teachers that I, I've opened it up now. So I've just had two midwives go through the program, which was so heartening to me that um, midwives who are practicing, you know, re- practicing at Randwick Hospital uh, currently, wanting to go through that program and seeing how much value it has to consider birthing in this much wider um, landscape. Um, but also doulas have taken the program and lots of pregnant women. I've got a bunch of pregnant women right now going through the program who um, are just preparing to have their babies uh, in a way that is supports all levels of the self. Yeah, it's such a beautiful approach to this really phenomenal transition, especially when there is so much fear around at the moment. You can really empower yourself differently. Thanks so much, Katie, for coming in. Thanks for having me. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, Katie has weaved herself in and out of my life for many, many years, and I am deeply grateful for her friendship and presence, and now deeply grateful for her knowledge that I can share with you. Katie has courses online for yoga teachers and for mummers-to-be on the yoga of birth, and she has kindly gifted us a discount if you would like to take this course please go to the show notes on my website and get all of the details to be able to explore what yoga of birth looks like in your life and how you can embrace all of this go to amytaylorkabaz.com forward slash podcast and you will find all of the details of katie's work and her yoga of birth book and online program that she is now offering 50% off for you. Until next time, Satnam. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.